remember I took a philosophy class in college, even though I was a, a science major, um, I wanted to take some humanities in my junior and senior year, so I, I took this ancient philosophy class, which covered basically like Plato, Aristotle, some of the pre-Socratics, and very early ancient philosophy. And the professor, um, he was somewhat dismissive of those philosophers because they're kind of old-fashioned, and um, formed the basis of a lot of Christian philosophy, like Thomas Aquinas uh, bases a lot of his philosophy on, on Aristotle, for instance. And so he would randomly take, he, he was not very fond of Christianity, he made that very clear early on, and he would ra- kind of randomly take pot shots at Christianity or Christ himself. And I remember at one point he was talking about some historical form of torture. I don't remember what it was, um, but one of these horrible things that people have done to torture people uh, in medieval or ancient history. And he said, yeah, compared to crucifixion, or it makes crucifixion look like a walk in the park or a day at the beach or something. Just basically like crucifixion, you think your Christ is so great, he did this hard thing. It wasn't that hard compared to some of the stuff people have suffered. And I just remember being kind of like, miffed at that. Um, and I didn't really know why I, w- I was annoyed. Um, but I think it gets to the question of like, why is Jesus's crucifixion valuable? Is it because it was the hardest thing anybody's ever done? Or because it was the worst suffering any person has ever endured? I guess that, that little comment, um, that insult, if you will, it, it brought to bear like the deeper question of why does the passion, death, resurrection of Jesus, why is that so valuable? It atones for every sin ever committed. It's, it's a deep question. What makes that offering, what makes that sacrifice so worthy in the eyes of the Father? Today, Jesus is sitting opposite the treasury, and he sees this widow who apparently has nothing, and she gives what little she has, these two small coins, and puts them in the treasury. After people are dumping tons and tons of money in that. And you, I mean, imagine the temple. Have you ever seen a recreation of what the temple in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus looked like? It was fantastically ornate. I mean, we're doing this little chapel in here. It's beautiful. But nothing compared to the glory of the temple in Jerusalem. And also, having tried to like, do a, a renovation here or some, just maintaining uh, a building, you realize, like, that two small coins, thanks, but it's not actually helping that much, right? practically speaking. But Jesus says she's given more. Her gift is more valuable. Even though, practically speaking, it's literally not. Right? It's a much smaller offering. And I could imagine the Levites or the priests or you know, whoever's running the temple and is in charge of maintaining the tuck pointing and stuff is like, actually, Jesus, I think that like tons of shekels that that guy just gave is actually more valuable than, than these two little coins. But it's because Jesus sees something that we cannot see of what makes that gift so valuable. In other words, that there's a spiritual effect that's more basic, more important about our gifts that makes them valuable over and against their practical consequences. I remember I was, one time I was praying in a church in Omaha, and I was stand, it was, there was a mass actually there, and um, it was a daily mass, and this family came in front of me, maybe four or five kids, and one of their children, this little girl, who I don't know how old she was, maybe three or four years old, she had two tiny little crutches, and she was clearly disabled somehow, and 
she also was of that age where they dress themselves and nothing matches, but it looks adorable. It's like a purple skirt, uh, whatever. And she had this gold bag that is like a little handbag purse that was covered in sequins. And the whole time during the match, she was messing with it and like opening it up. And she had two, like two or four, three little coins in there. And she would just take them out, look at them, put them back in. And um, after mass was over, the family knelt and prayed a little bit. And then they, they all walked out. And the little girl with her little crutches went up to this Mary statue where there was a little votive thing with the coin slot. And she took out her, her bag. And one at a time, she took her little coins and put them in. There was a statue of Our Lady of Fatima just standing there above this little girl. And I just looked at Mary and I looked at the little girl and I thought, what must Mary think of this little offering? How valuable it is to her. It's tiny little coins, but in her poverty, this little girl has given more than everybody else. I had a clarinet teacher when I was in um, junior high named Mrs. Harris. She was a widow, older lady, um, lived by herself. I found out later, she had grown up, um, her parents both died, and she grew up kind of in a rural area, and she was, in, she was the oldest, and she kind of took care of her, uh, when her parents got sick, she took care of her siblings. And when her parents finally died, the family kind of split up, and they never, you know, different, different kids went to different families, and they never really um, reconnected until later in life, she, she found a brother of hers um, and ended up living, living with him uh, in the last years of her life, but she was a very loving, simple old woman. And I was just this junior high kid taking clarinet lessons and I didn't love practicing and stuff, but there was something about her that I just recognized, um, was special. And part of it was that she, my little sister was six or seven years younger than me. And she came to my first clarinet lesson. The first time I ever had a lesson with Mrs. Harris, my mom brought me and my little sister. And Mrs. Harris loved Claire so much. She was, my little sister was this adorable little redheaded girl. She's still an adorable redheaded girl, but um, she's 30. <laughs> uh, she, was, she was, you know, probably seven or eight years old. And Mrs. Harris, she, if you were good and you practiced, you got a piece of candy, like a little candy bar at the end of the lesson. That was a cool seventh grader or whatever. I'm like, whatever. Yeah, I'll take a butterfinger. And she would always, she would always, whether I was good or not, whether I, you know, practiced or not, she would always give me a Kit Kat to give to Claire. Because the first time she met Claire, Claire asked for a Kit Kat. So I would walk home this Kit Kat every day, every week when I had a lesson to Claire. And eventually Claire started taking clarinet lessons with uh, Mrs. Harris. And Claire being such a much, much sweeter girl um, than I was a boy, she made Mrs. Harris a sock monkey. Okay, so sock monkeys, if you don't know, are like these wool socks you stuff them with stuffing and you make little arms and legs and a face and stuff. And they're just sort of like this simple little stuffed animal toy. And Claire used to make them for fun. And she made one specially for Mrs. Harris. And this concert, the band concert, you know, sixth or seventh grade band concert, really elite music. Um, <laughs> my parents are there and Claire's in it. And my mom looks back and there's Mrs. Harris in the row behind her clutching this sock monkey. And my mom just was like, Weeping, It was just so touching that how much it meant to her that Claire had made this thing for her and how much she loved Claire and our family and simple clarinet lessons. But this connection, this, this meaningful love that we shared. And I think that's maybe the answer of what makes a gift really valuable 
is not how much it costs or how hard it was to give, but with how much love it was given. That's what makes the crucifixion infinitely valuable, is that it was, it was an offering made with infinite, perfect love. And so sometimes the gift is greater when it's less, because you have less to give. Because out of your poverty, all you have to give is your love. And you can attach everything you have to the thing that you're giving to someone. And if they receive it with perfect love, man, you're getting somewhere. And so we can, we can always love this way, no matter how much we have. It's not that you know, a gift of a ton of money can't be given with lots of love. All, everything we have, what makes it valuable is the intention. And when something is given with love, it means that everything is given. It's total. There's nothing held back like that widow, um, which is what we do when we come to this altar to give thanks to God. We, we give our whole selves, holding nothing back. <clears throat>